The world has changed. I can feel it in the dice. I feel it in the character sheets. I smell it in the books. Much that once was is lost, for none now gain who remember it. Welcome to The One Podcast, a show all about the One Ring and experiencing Middle-earth through gaming, with your hosts, J.M., Richard, Ben, Calvin, and Chris. Welcome back to The Green Dream. I am one of your hosts, Calvin, and this week I'm joined by Ben and Richard. I'm back! I made it! Or something! <laughs> Here! Um, Welcome back. I I am here as well, um, and it is good to have you here with us, Ben, especially since we're talking about hobbits, and you are our, our resident halfling at the moment. At the moment. We'll see how long that lasts. Yes. <laughs> ah, so let's get this started. So, Ben, it's been a while, or at least an episode, since you've joined us. What have you been up to gaming-wise? Uh, let's see here. Well, um, the usual, of course, with... Um, Richard's One Ring Game, which I'm sure will come up more than once tonight. Um, that's every other Monday. And uh, the other Mondays, we have our Numenera game with uh, JM, our our venerable non-host tonight. <laughs> and uh, that's been going fun, good. We have traveled into space and are helping out Space Vikings now. Um, it's pretty who's, exciting. Who's, yes, who's... The last living sun in there in their universe is being devoured by a great black serpent from the void. A living singularity, Ben. Well, yes. A great black serpent from the void is, is more poetic? Maybe? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but we're in the process of figuring out how to kill the thing, so it's fairly epic. Um, in my own game... Uh, that I'm running every, the occasional D&D game which I run, um, our Gygaxian rock opera, the main characters managed to kickstart the apocalypse um, of their own, not necessarily of their own choosing, but they more or less were cowardly enough that it ended up happening to them. Um, Excellent. Ended up dying and going to heaven and getting sent back to try and save the, save the world. Um, they're officially on a mission from God now. Um, <laughs> discovered they, they were in a three-year time slip and are now once again road tripping with gnomes inside of a giant uh, battle crawler while they crush the now undead infested universe or planet pretty much in front of them um so yes it's been it's been it's been fun it's we've been sort of playing with all the genres um (laughs) and uh, all my players are brand new so Everything is is new and exciting to them. They don't. They are not. You know, owl bear is a new hat for them. So, it's it's been fun. Excellent. Richard, what about you? Um, well, um, Ben speaks for me in a lot of things. Uh, the One Ring game is proceeding apace. Um, we're in some pretty exciting times right now, in our Darkening of Mirkwood campaign. Uh, Werewolves. Yes, we've been off. Uh, looking for clues into the nature of the werewolf of Mirkwood for quite some time now. Uh, and I, I've got some really fun, exciting, special things planned for the next 
uh, really four sessions, and uh, I'm I'm super excited about about all of that. Um, playing a James Numenera game, which has been awesome. Um, I've been posting those actual plays for the Numenera game on Google Plus, by the way. I'm still working on trying to get some of my One Ring players to post some cool actual plays, hint, hint. Um, also, since this is sort of a Cubicle 7-ish podcast, um, I recently played a one-shot of uh, Cubicle 7's Victoriana, which is uh, uh, Victorian role-playing in an age of sorcery and steam. It's their their steampunk property uh, using the uh, Heresy engine. And um, I... Also put a very long and and written from an in-character perspective actual play on Google Plus in my actual play collection there. So if you follow me over there, you might check it out if you want to see how the game plays. I have a lot of uh, really positive impressions about it. Um, There are, and maybe just a few shortcomings that I would like to see improved upon. Um, But but on the whole, it was a really, really fun game. Um, And it was also notable for being uh the first time for uh, uh one of my one ring players uh normally she plays lumera and the elf in my one in my darkening and mirkwood game i've mentioned her a few times uh but it was all, it was her first time running the games uh running a game um so i got to i got to be on the player side of the screen which is less usual for me and uh she got to be on the gm side of the screen which is the first time for her and we we had a blast it was a whole lot of fun so yeah um oh and i'm running another numenera game for uh my siblings it's a once a month kind of a new numenera game and uh this last session was really awesome um i'm from a kind of a large family so there are not counting me um you know between siblings and and my wife and everything else there's there's it's seven it's a seven player game which is a lot brave yeah it's a lot to get and they're and they're almost all first-time players too so that yeah that doubly that brief kept, that has kept things interesting but also really fun and um this last session i'm just gonna say some people were crying some people were just holding their head and rocking back and forth and moaning for the last 30 minutes of the session it was maybe one of the most evil things i have ever allowed the players to do to themselves um <laughs> fantastic it was. I'm, I'm not going to go into too many details because I want to derail the podcast. But it was, it was a really satisfying game. Like I've been, I've been planning this little switcheroo that they were going to do on themselves for like five months, and so to really see it all come to fruition was, was really just gorgeous. I may have permanently broken them for all beauty or goodness in the world, um, but it will have another bit. I think. Nice. What about you, Calvin? Well, I'm back to playing 5th edition. Finally, things have lined up and we're back to our weekly Friday night game. And uh, my cleric managed to live, thankfully. <laughs> and uh, What's that? I thought you guys almost TPK'd. Uh, we did. And uh, thanks mostly to the GM's benevolence. Um, instead of having those that knocked us unconscious kill us we were instead captured and got to be rescued by the rest of our team assuming that we did not fail too many death saves in a row and i will be completely honest both for jm and myself we were down to two and two uh so it came down to a single roll for both of us and we both survived 
Nice. It was uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's that's good stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, I actually failed my first two death saves, and so it actually oh. ended up being three successes in a row. Holy crap! Yeah, it uh, was uh, edge of my seat nail biting type stuff. Excellent. But it's going well. We're uh, continuing through the Underdark. Uh, you'll be appreciative. Uh, last week, we almost died to some spectators. I am I am extremely appreciative of this. Um, as you know, that, that Beholders are my favorite monster. Right, exactly. And so, uh, so I, I figured you'd appreciate that. Uh, our mages only lived because they both managed to make saving throws and so only took half damage from the 3d10 that rolled a 30 on them <laughs> oh. yeah the look on the gm's face was uh, priceless after he rolled and uh they were both down to under six hit points what level are they uh, we're level four Okay, yeah, no, so that's 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 most of everything. Yeah, level now. four. So a spectator is a challenge rating four, I think. So uh two spectators at a there time. There was three like of a, them. Three oh, so three <laughs> spectators at a time. That's a, that's a rough encounter. It, it it was enjoyable. We had more scorching rays hitting us from our our wizard and our sorcerer than uh hitting the spectators, but you know, that's uh Spell reflect for you. Yep, yep. <laughs> it was a good time. So what do you gentlemen say? Shall we see what we can cook up for this episode? I Indeed. Think so. Um, uh, so everyone, sit back, uh, fill up your pipe with um, the best of old Toby, and, uh, and uh, let's look at Hobbits of the Shire. All right. Ben, you want to give us a little quick overview as a player? Who, who are the hobbits game-wise, and you know what place do they play? Um, hobbits, oddly enough, and this is not something that I think it comes up probably all that often in almost any other setting necessarily, are sort of the the newcomers to the greater middle world of of Middle Earth as seen in the One Ring. Um, there are there, and actually, you see this in the books, and you see it in in um, in the Hobbit as as Bilbo first appears and shows up with with the elves and the dwarves. You don't see it as much in Lord of the Rings. Uh, in the Fellowship of the Ring, uh, most of the people you encounter are familiar with hobbits in some fashion. The dwarf, there's dwarves that pass through the Shire, and the elves he runs into, and all seem to be know who he is. Probably Bilbo's fault, um, primarily. But at this point, this being shortly after Bilbo, Bilbo is the only hobbit that most people have ever heard of or seen. Um, so, and, and, the, and the hobbits themselves are a bit uh, isolationist, I think probably is the best way to put it. Um, so hobbits are, are, after elves, I think probably, and Richard can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the hobbits are, are Tolkien's favorite. Um, of the of the peoples, free peoples of Middle Earth, as far as as far as the peoples that he created, um, they are 
cheerful. Um, they are down to earth. They are, they love their home, and their home is again one of the few nice places in, in at this time in the world as far as the setting of the One Ring. Um, it's not. It hasn't been touched by shadow by the shadow, um, which has you know more or less you know forced the the elves into isolation, which is. Um, up until very recently, driven the dwarves from their ancestral home. Um, you know, Lake Town is a new city that just recently burned the de- burned the ground. Dale is most is more recently re you know it been re-inhabited, um, and and even you know the Bjornings are, are fairly new to their lands. But the but the Shire is is a a bright and homey, a wonderful place where um, you know how much bright homey, wonderful little people call home. Um, it's, like I said, it's, the, it's probably the most pleasant place in the whole of, of the Middle-earth as, as covered by um, by the setting. I mean, probably Rivendell is, is at, right up there with it, but but it's a, it's a lovely little place from which hobbits which, where hobbits come from. Um, and probably rightfully so, most hobbits are would see no reason to leave whatsoever. Um, so, if you are playing a hobbit, you are a fairly unique individual, even among hobbits. Um, you're a, you're an, you're a stranger to the rest of the world in the sense that they have no idea what you are. Um, my pers- my lore master Richard um, makes a point of about once or tw- once or twice a game year having a small child assume that Foxglove is one of their peers. Um, <laughs> I, I don't do that on I don't do that on purpose, by the way. It just comes up. But uh, once you get to the Return of the King, then you'll see there's actually a pretty good precedent for that. Yeah. Um, just so you guys know, I, I have not read the entirety of Lord of the Rings since I was about sixteen, and um, a horrible, cynical, um, as Richard is wont to remind me, a terrible, cynical teenager. Um, <laughs> so, I, I don't remind you of that all the time. Well, I, well, yeah, but but now I'm, I'm reading through it again, um, and I've very slowly because I'm reading it through with the kids, and we don't always get to it in the evenings. But we're reading through it again, and I've just we've just gotten through the first ten chapters of of Fellowship of the Ring, which has finally gotten us to Bree and Strider. So we've spent a good deal of time with the Hobbits as of late. Um, plus, we read the Hobbit first, so. I am I am fully hobbited at this point as far as the books are Excellent. concerned. Excellent. It's a fantastic way to read the books. I did that with my kids a few years ago. Yeah, no, my kids are like four and two and almost one, so we weren't really sure how much they would be able to pick up on. But uh, the two-year-old is now little boy is now obsessed with dragons and. And Aaron is is on the edge of her seat most of the time. So yeah, Tirza. Uh, in my house, Bilbo Baggins has achieved the level of folk hero and <laughs> um, slash superhero. Like like Bilbo Baggins rates up there, essentially right with Superman with what he can pull off. <laughs> so. Nice. All right. So, Richard, um, wider than just the game, uh, Hobbit's place in the Legendarium. Yeah. So, Hobbit's come into the legendarium well let's let's talk about the in-world history first um it's been noted in the fellowship of the ring um really up until you get to 
really up to Rivendell and even a fair amount after that, uh, the people that the hobbits are encountering are not necessarily unfamiliar with hobbits. They're uh, they're aware of their existence. Of course, they know about hobbits in Rivendell, um, and and you know when they get to Lothlorien, uh, Galadriel certainly knows about hobbits. Um, she's expected them coming. Um, they've had they've had uh, news of the company setting up from Rivendell. So there's not a lot of unfamiliarity with the hobbits in that part of the world. But when you get into other parts of the world, uh, hobbits become much more exceptional, much more the exception of the rule. And so uh, the hobbits who arrive in, in Gondor and Rohan and pretty much any of the lands of the south uh, in the Two Towers and in the Return of the King are people don't know what they are. They've mistaken them for children or, um, you know, dwarves or something else they don't really realize that they're hobbits. Um, there's also, there's also some uh, hints of some very interesting linguistic ties between the hobbits and the men of Rohan. And I will let you uh, in the audience go out and look for the look for that tie in the Lord of the Rings yourself. Um, it's, it's in a conversation between uh, Mary and King Theoden, but then it's also elaborated a little more on in Appendix F. So I would encourage you to go and take a look at that. Uh, but hobbits in the Legendarium are a fairly young people. Uh, they are children in more than one sense of the word in that respect. Mm -hmm. They're an offshoot of men. Uh, that's not made explicit in the Legendarium, but it is made explicit by Tolkien in some of his letters that hobbits are uh, they're an offshoot or a subspecies, if you will, of humans. And um, but they you know, they've, they've sort of grown and adapted in some different ways. Uh, they originally, they originally, the, the earliest records of them are populating the Vales of the Anduin on the eastern side of the Misty Mountains, which by now, if you've been looking at the Wandering Materials, you should be pretty familiar with that area. That's the area currently inhabited by the Bayornings and the Woodmen of Mirkwood. Uh, something happened, actually the rise of the Shadow and Dol Guldur uh, the first time is that something that happened. That caused them to migrate over the misty mountains to search for greener pastures um, they eventually uh, settled in a place called that they that they simply called the shire in eriador um, and it was a place given to them uh, um, essentially in grant by the by the king of the north who was far too busy with his own problems at the time and far too busy with a uh, war with angmar at the time to really bothered too much about the hobbits and they were essentially told that they had to uh, keep up the roads and be the king's messengers and that they could have the land and uh, that is what the hobbits have been doing the hobbits have been um, sort of living in their own little self-governing mostly uh idyllic anarchic way for what to them is quite a long time but for most of the other races in middle earth it's it's not a very long time at all there are, um, of course, hobbits are hobbits are peace-loving, simple, uh, very sedentary people. I think sedentary is really the 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 kind of definitive word describing uh, hobbits. They're comfortable and sedentary, um, not unlike uh, perhaps elderly professors at Oxford, and not unlike you know maybe maybe many people who sit around and play role-playing games. Um, yeah, when I was reading The Hobbit, the, the thing that came across my mind was there is a good bit of, of Tolkien himself in Bilbo. I think Tolkien puts a lot of himself in Bilbo, and I don't want to... Uh, there's there's a, a bad kind of criticism which you can do when you're reading fiction called the biographical fallacy, where you, where you read too much into what the fictional character is doing, 
mm -hmm. uh, because of you know things that you know about the author, and so you end up never learning anything about the character. And I I try to avoid that, but it's pretty it's pretty unmistakable that there's very much of Bilbo in or very much of Tolkien in Bilbo. Well, uh, but I remember I remember specifically his his comments about his handwriting. Um, yes. And that was one thing that you know that even that Tolkien himself commented about having this spidery handwriting, that you know slightly cramped spidery handwriting. Yeah, and that they yeah. Both shared so. So, the hobbits are mostly sedentary, but sometimes they, every once in a while, there's a strain of adventure in them. Um, and so the the line of hobbits specifically that is known for going off on these sort of madcap adventures are the, are the Took family, um, of which Bilbo Baggins is a offshoot, as, as is Frodo, and of course Peregrine Took. And um, um, Bilbo actually had two uncles on the Took side who had gone off on adventures. Um, he had an uncle, I think his name was Hildefons Took, uh, who is said to have gone off on a journey and never returned. He also had an, uh, another uncle named um, Isengar Hook, not Isengard, but Isengar Hook uh, Took, um, who was, I think, the youngest of the old Took's children. And um, he was also said to have gone off to sea in his youth and never returned. So those are some pretty interesting little factors, especially if you think about somebody who went off to sea. Well, pretty much the only way you get to go off to sea is... Uh, uh, you go off with the elves, right? You go to the Great Haven. Where else do you go off to see it? See an Eriador. So that's those are some little interesting bits. And so every once in a while, a hobbit wanders off, um, and it does in fact seem, based on things that are eventually said in, or some things that are said about Gandalf in The Hobbit, and then some things that are said about Bilbo in The Lord of the Rings, that that Gandalf occasionally was getting hobbit lads and lasses, very importantly, and lasses. Mm -hmm to go off into the wild and have all sorts of unrespectable uh, adventures. And um, and also, you know, there was this whole generation of hobbits that grew up under Bilbo, people like Merry and Pippin, and Frodo too, but especially Merry and Pippin, who are quite young in The Lord of the Rings. They're much younger than Frodo is, uh, or even Sam for that matter. Uh, Merry and Pippin are, are part of this new generation of hobbits that grows up under under Bilbo and hearing up growing up hearing about his adventures and about the lonely mountain and all these things and they're they're hobbits of a little bit different sort like you don't get any sort of sense from them that they're expecting to settle down and lead respectable lives now they're still quite hobbity um but they're 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 very much a different breed so yeah. hobbits mostly a sedentary folk not very common outside of the shire uh, you do meet them now and again but when you do meet them, they tend to be exceptional. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit about some of the mechanics, you know, the special mechanics behind the hobbits. And so for those of us following along, or for those following along at home, uh, the section on the hobbits starts on page 60 mm -hmm. in your uh, One Ring book. And... So we have a prosperous folk as they, you know, as they are, you know, living there and just uh, collecting many things. And I, I found it very interesting um, 
that they actually suggested Treasure Hunter as a calling for a hobbit. What do you guys think of that? I, uh, well, obviously we have Bilbo, um, who his house is you know pretty specifically full of of treasure. You know, probably not very expensive or, or valuable as far as the rest of the world is concerned, but it's pretty thrilling for everybody else um, as far as what he brings back from his adventures. Um, and I think they, I mean, you look from what you can see of the hobbits, they do appreciate their things. <laughs> um, I would say to that, I mean, if you, if you read, if you read the, the Hobbit, Bilbo has a very brief brush with the dragon sickness. Mm -hmm. um, but he mostly shrugs it off and by the time the whole thing is over he really just he wants to be done with the treasure he wants to go back home um and that's you get that really famous quote that thorn says as he's dying you know if more of us valued uh, food and song and, and whatnot above hoarded gold it, it would be a better world so um but if you read if you read the the fluff test that text that accompanies treasure hunter um, it says more than anything, the little folk of the Shire may be driven from their comfortable places by curiosity. Ex most Hobbit adventurers wish only to find interesting things or visit exotic places. So treasure hunter and wanderer are the two suggestions given. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think with a, a treasure hunter Hobbit, you know, it's going to be for them less about, I just want the, the money. Like right. that's not really why, that's not really what treasure hunting is about. Treasure hunting is about the hunting. Right, right. It's not about the it's not about the taking the thing home. It's about the hunting, the the adventure, the the getting there. Right, and this thing you take home, and, and the story behind it as well. Right. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, I I totally saw how Wanderer fit in. Treasure Hunter just seemed a bit off, but yeah. that's a good way to look at it. I like that. All right, so. The Hobbit's cultural blessing. <laughs> um, oh boy! Sense. Hey Ben, do you want to talk about the, the the Hobbit cultural blessing? Well, for starters, I will say, as much <laughs> as I enjoy RPGs, I am a terrible RPG player. Especially, I mean, especially when it comes to keeping up with and my character sheet. Um, so, <laughs> for starters, the the cultural blessing they have is. Super handy um, in deep, dark, nasty places like Mirkwood um, because they increase the fellowship rating by one point. Um, and when they make a wisdom roll, they can roll the feet die twice and keep the best result. Um, most of, you, know, like you often are rolling the wisdom die opposite a corruption test or against shadow. Um, so essentially that's sort of the represents the fact that they like like Richard just alluded to they tend to be much more resistant against the sort of things that might draw other of the free folk uh, astray um, riches and uh, power etc etc um, the sorts of things that you know made them good that that made them you know made Frodo ideal and Bilbo ideal for keepers of the ring um, are the same things here um, they also get a, a sort of absurd amount of hope to spend, um, which was super handy. Um, as I had started out with the 
game, my game with my character with Foxglove had 19 hope. <laughs> but that, I think okay, I, was, okay. I was level up a bit. But Okay, but it's not that they just start out with an insane amount of hope. The cultural blessing, right, mm-hmm. is each Hobbit character in the group increases the company's fellowship rating by one point. Right. Now, let's think about what a big deal this is. Rules as written. If you're playing a normal three to four hour game session, that adventuring, that fellowship pool resets every session. So that means that every session, a hobbit provides two free hope expenditures, one for themselves, one for a friend. If you have two or three hobbits in the group, you can you can really spend some hope. Yep. 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 Like, that's a really cool thing. And I, I'm pointing it out because... Um, when when Ben put his Hobbit character together, I didn't notice that. I just forgot about it. I didn't either. And, and we weren't we haven't been doing it for like several sessions and people have been like hoarding hope because they're running out. And uh and yeah, yeah, like that's a that's a really that's that is not to be overlooked. Yeah. Especially especially since like I said, in some of the darker, nastier parts of the world, which let's be fair, is pretty much everywhere but the Shire in many cases. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you is, is as as James want to say this ship runs on on hope or in the case of cyber system XP, so that is definitely an asset to have someone there who can who can basically bolster the entire party in that regard. Um, Excellent. All right. So then, any backgrounds uh, that uh, really hit home with you guys, Ben? What is your uh, what is Foxglove's background? Um, you know. I think it's too many paths to tread. But I was going to say, I'm looking at, at her um, basic attributes and your character sheet here. She has seven, I know she has seven heart, so it's either Turkish blood or a good listener. I think she actually it's a good listener, I think is what it is. That's right, she's a bartender. Um, oh, that's and, right. So she, she has the good listener background. Um, and yes, the, the heart being as high as it is there basically means that if she rolls if she adds hope you know adding seven to pretty much anything um is is usually good enough to put you over the top there so that's super handy um but yes she's she's a a former bartender um so yeah it's the it's i don't know how they compare to the to the other um backgrounds because i've really only done uh, dwarves and and hobbits really but um, they're very. I'm trying to think of the right word for it. They feel very uh, resilient. Yeah. No. They feel. They feel like. They feel not. Not comfortable. They feel like something. They feel familiar, as in, which I think is sort of the point of hobbits in general. Um, that almost. Yeah. You know. You know these people. You know these people. And you know, one of the things I really enjoy about hobbits in the One Ring is that they're they're hobbits, like they're actual proper hobbits. Yes. Um, halflings, not... halflings legally distinct from hobbits. Halflings in <laughs> most role-playing games are just a, they're just a they're just like a racial option. Like nobody, some people do, but as a rule, you don't see a lot of people playing their character differently because they're a halfling. Or at least basically extra sneaky I personally haven't. I'm, I'm, you know, please write me in with your stories of how you awesomely played a halfling. Um, but 
but it's it's like in general it's like it's just a racial option it's like picking a half elf well i mean think about what an actual half elf would be i mean that's you're gonna have some like some major conflicted like backstory stuff going on if you're an actual half elf like mm-hmm. but but for a lot of people it's just oh no it's a racial option you know and mm-hmm. uh anyway, i'm not trying to rag on on other games because I, I like those games too but but i just i really love that when you when you play a hobbit in the lord of the rings you are you're actually or in the one ring you're actually playing a hobbit like you're all of the options are set up to evoke that yeah i right. I really got the feeling looking through the backgrounds and for me, Turkish blood was the one that uh, really jumped out at me just with so much of the, of the talk of hobbits that leave being of that line that just, uh, you know, really hit home for me. But I really got the feeling that, you know, we've talked about the every man character these really feel more like that than any of the human races do. This, this, this is the, you know, the familiar, like you were talking about the, the comfortable, this is, this is something that a lot of people can relate to. Just, it'd be really nice to live the life that they live and, oh, to get pulled out of it and brought into this other world. It's a fun story. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and and yes, again, like if if you are an actual fan of the books, which I think if you're playing the One Ring, um, that's that's essentially who this is catering to. People who, even more so than than the films, which many, especially over here in, uh, I think, the U.S. probably have a relationship with. I think that's that's really yeah, like you're saying, that's sort of the point of the of Hobbits is yeah looking at virtues and rewards and again if you're following along at home those are page 110 and 118 respectively okay let me get down there real quick pull that up here okay well then i will go first uh the the very first cultural virtue the art of disappearing super Uh, handy (laughs) super handy and yet just so very hobbit mm-hmm. uh, to to me and that just I, I would have a hard time picking anything else first i think how about you ben uh let me see here just getting there right now sorry i was yeah okay um i love the the cultural awards the the weapons and um well for starters that that the act their bow of the north downs is just sort of sort of sweet um, when making a ranged attack using a bow of the North Downs, add to your rolls a bonus of plus three or your Valor rating, whichever is higher, which, again, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yes. A flat three bonus is, is pretty sweet. Um, okay, so so we, so we I'm glad you brought that up, Ben, because last time we talked about the awesome potential arc reveal that you could do with uh, an Elf of Mirkwood. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to say almost as good, maybe as good, um, one of one of the best possible possible archery builds in the game, I think, is if you combine the Hobbit cultural virtue fair shot. Um, <laughs> when you make a ranged attack, you can roll the feet die twice and keep the best result. Um, that's really good with the bow of the North Downs, uh, which that's yeah. Uh, some... yeah. 
Yeah, some high numbers there. You're going to be getting on average. Yeah, so, so you, so you get to roll your d12 twice, take the highest result, and then you can add a plus three bonus or your valor rating, whichever is higher. So that's that is that is a a. I mean, that is a that is a serious up yeah. in your in your in your average range attack rolls. Like if if you're doing a. If I was if I was just doing this simply for for min maxing purposes, which this is not really the game for that, but if I if I were doing if I were doing a Hobbit, and I wanted to do, do an Archer build, I would I would pick Fair Shot and then Bow of the North Downs first chance I got to spend some XP and on my Valor, sure. and between the two of those, you'd have you'd have just a really killer combo. <laughs> yeah, I I also love the fact that um, it ties both the Bow the Excuse me. Both the bow of the North Downs and the King's Blade, which are the two cultural uh, rewards, um, base both tie back into the history—a sort of unseen history of the Hobbits. Um, the that being that when they served the King of the North, um, which again, sort of an unseen history um, that uh, Richard alluded to earlier, and both those tie into that. Um, so yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool that way. Nice. And again, this is this is the One Ring, and this is Cubicle Seven, so I should not have expected anything less. <laughs> <laughs> of course. All right. Uh, so, running and playing hobbits in the game. You know, hobbits are one of the small folk. Um, as Richard mentioned earlier in uh, the books, they sometimes get mistaken for beardless dwarves. Um, I get the feeling from everything that I've heard said tonight, at least from Ben, that they play a little different than dwarves, though. Uh, you know, I would say so. Um, they're sort of they're sort of on the opposite spectrum, in my mind, anyway. They're sort of on the opposite spectrum from dwarves. In the spectrum, I mean, it's personality-wise, dwarves tend to be sort of dour and grim and heavy, and they have a history of of, of grim battle and and darkness and lost and loss. Whereas the dwarf, excuse me, the hobbits are sort of approaching the world as everything is new. Um, you know, nothing is is so is so awful that it's in you know not it's insurmountable. Um, there's, you know, a great big world which we haven't seen yet. Imagine what, you know, they'll think of this when I, you know, take it back home like Sam in the 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 Oliphants. Um, it's this that's that's sort of how again sort of the opposite of how they they play. But also, dwarves are are their human shields. They're <laughs> they're the tanks if anything. Um, and with their their armor and their weapons and just the amount of damage they can lay down just with you know mattock or axe, I mean Narvi in our current game is he's a beast with a mattock. Um, I mean like every time he's he's got the whatever he's fighting is down usually within a couple of hits from him. Um, but a hobbit is yes you're you're. I mean, I, the character I play is a little more in your face, but the, I, I get the general sense that, that that's not normally how you would play it. Um, with the you know the hiding and the stealth and just the basic starting benefits, um, it's much more a much lighter touch, I think, than you than you get to with a with a dwarf. 
But, uh, but personality-wise, it's, yeah, like I said, it's on the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, yeah, I think if you're the kind of player who likes to play smart, not hard, um, <sighs> Hobbits could be really fun in this game. Um, they have They have a lot of really fun options for that. Yeah. <laughs> Provided you pay attention to your, you know, character sheet. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't doing it. <laughs> no, that was my fault. It was terrible. All right. Um, so, from the GM side of the table, Richard, uh, how, how do you focus on hobbits or bring out their sheltered, comfortable nature, other than having children treat them like peers? Um, other than having children to treat them like peers, which is sort of endlessly amusing uh, for two reasons. One is, apparently, I really enjoy playing small children. Um, you freak me out when you do that, though, man. Mostly because I'm I'm sitting here going, okay, Chekhov's gun is now become Chekhov's child, and this poor right. kid is probably going to be, you know... If there's a random child NPC, Ben is pretty sure it's going to die horribly. And it's yeah, no, and, and you didn't exactly help me out with the last... last <laughs> Last yeah, session. so I guess I guess that's the that's the the sort of answer to you know calling out their sheltered thing. Uh, one is, I I do try to sort of point out anytime the elf does anything that you know Foxglove, you're pretty impressed with what just happened. Like that was, you know, there's some magic going on here. Like you should you should kind of take note. Uh, the other thing though is that I, um, you know, I do try to sort of stress the horror of certain things like. Uh, when you know when hobbits are exposed to the horror of you know certain things they're not quite quite uh, as used to um, the undead or the work of the work of the servants of the enemy. Um, uh, but one of the one of the great things about hobbits, as we learned in Fellowship of the Ring, is that they're also incredibly resilient, and they they sort of all bounce back from that Barrow Downs incident, like. The, the Barrow Downs incident, by the way, is just like freaky, terrifying. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's one of the most I think terrifying pieces of literature which has ever been written, just by itself. If there is not the rest of the the whole Lord of the Rings, like just the Barrow Downs incident by itself is Part really that scary. Freaks stuff. me out the most is that stone gateway that that yeah. Frodo finds and then cannot find again. Yeah, once the the mist is clear. Yeah. It's like holy crap. That's like yeah, that's like pure Lovecraft sort of thing right there. It's pretty scary stuff, and the hobbits bounce back from it in just sort of a few hours, and that's mm -hmm. that's kind of I think the unique gift of hobbits is it's not that it's not that they don't feel these things. It's not that they're not affected by them, but they they tend to forget the really bad parts. Which, as an optimist myself, I think that's really the key is selective amnesia. <laughs> um, don't remember the crappy parts. Um, so I, I try to I try to make sure to call out, you know, one of the things that's suggested in the book, and this is not just for hobbits, but it's for everyone in general, is that when you're exposed to orc work or the work of the servants of the shadow, I mean that's a corruption test because you've just seen something really horrific. How do you respond to it? And uh hobbits hobbits by nature of their mechanics, they have the you know, by nature of some of their cultural virtues and everything else, they have the ability to to handle a corruption test better than a lot of other races. And so that's that's an area where their resilience can really shine. On the flip side, hobbits are mega squishy. And <laughs> yes. um, 
they're they're not they're not warriors now they're they're again surprisingly tough as tolkien always reminds us but they're they're not great warriors you know they're uh they're not they're not your you know bilbo bilbo's most important achievement at the battle of five armies is um, not the battle of the five armies that was a terrible movie that never really was made um but but bilbo's most important achievement at the battle of five armies was getting knocked unconscious um <laughs> while invisible so it's it's you know they're they're not great warriors but they are but they're they're clever and they're resourceful and they're witty and i try to try to give opportunities to be clever and resourceful and witty so um uh foxglove got to sort of sneak into a a the old mill fort upon which you know the one of the children of shelob was sleeping to to sneak around and investigate and uh look for look for the staff of the road work and all that stuff and that was that was really uh, an episode of the story, which really got to highlight Fox Club. Now, when she rolled an Eye of Sauron on that stealth check, things sort of went to crap. Um, but that's hardly As my they fault. Have. It's hardly my fault. Remember, remember, yes. kid. G- uh, lore masters don't kill characters. Players kill characters. This is very true. <laughs> so... Uh, I, I was thinking a little bit about how you would pull together a all Hobbit group, and oh, man. Th- this jumped out it, to me as hard. really. So I, I, I'm really interested to hear what you come up with because this is that's okay. a hard one. So for me, this really what jumped out to me is the way that this could be used to introduce new players to the game and the world. Okay, uh, is this is this a CSI Hobbiton idea? Because I have dibs on that. No, not at all. Okay. all uh, right. So, literature-wise, one of my f- favorite ways to be introduced to a world is through the eyes of someone who is experiencing it for the first time. Sure. That's, and that's so, totally what the hobbits are there for in the story, too. So. Right. You can, and yeah. so, having a group of hobbits that gets pulled out of the Shire and, you know, for whatever reason, uh, taken out and is experiencing everything anew for the first time. What a better way to, or what a fantastic way to introduce players who maybe aren't familiar with the world or who aren't familiar with role-playing games in general to just everything and how this works. So basically, like the Pathfinder uh, mod, little one-shot goblins, except with hobbits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can dig exactly. it. Exactly. I can dig okay, it. Okay, so so my idea for an all Hobbit game is CSI Hobbiton. So the way it works is you're a group of bounders, which are the closest thing that the hobbits have to law enforcement. Yeah. Um. So everybody in the party plays one of the bounders, and you spend the the game. Uh, doing bounder things, which which means uh, uh, rounding up, you know, farmer so and so's pigs have gotten out of the enclosure. He can't get them all in. You're gonna have to round up all of the pigs. <laughs> and um, you know, so and so needs help. You know, you know, getting you know their vegetable cart repaired and stuff like that. Like like thoroughly mundane stuff. But then every once in a while, just sort of work in a a oh, there's there's this really seedy looking character hanging around the south part. 
I apologize for the massive amount of thunder in the background to all of our listeners. We are in prime summer storm season here in, in the great state of Texas. And uh, so if there seems to be a lot of thunder, that is why. Uh, but but you 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 play just sort of, you know, you, you're, you're dealing with all of these mundane things, which don't really seem to be connected at all. But then every once in a while you get, you know, there's this really seedy looking character hanging around, you know, the south end of the Shire or, you know, you, you the the there's a there's a, a company of dwarves who are supposed to be uh, picking up picking up some uh, some trade goods, you know, pipe we'd say, and uh, they, nobody's heard from them. And uh, just every once in a while, mix in just a, something that's a little more out of off the beaten path, and then uh, but then kind of tie all of the seemingly unconnected incidents together into kind of a larger plot. And uh, you know maybe at the end there's something that that by Hobbit and Sanders would be really, really sinister and threatening. Now maybe not by Dark and even Merkwood Sanders, but you know like a like a rogue goblin or a, you know a single pack of wolves or something like that. Like something that's really <laughs> a pretty scary thing, and, and let the Hobbits show their metal right right sort of the climax of the adventure. So uh, I think this would be a super fun game to run. Um, and I think it'd be a great way to introduce people to the game. So, yeah, definitely. I would play. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, anything else you guys want to bring up about hobbits? Um, I think hobbits are, and this is this is going to sound funny. I think hobbits are really tempting for. Um, players who want to um, who don't want to have to take things very seriously and I, I don't mean that in a bad way but there's always these always one or two players who want to basically play essentially a, a joke character or a character that is going to be cute and um, cute for lack of a better term um, but I think I think that and your job a... as a lore master is to break that person, break their spirit, break. No, wait, I'm sorry. no, that's wrong. That's wrong. Don't do that. <laughs> but I was gonna say, I it's almost like that. I think, I think that would be a general a disservice to to hobbits. Um, as someone who plays one, and as someone who, uh, as you know, reading the books, yes, there there there's a lot of, of familiar familiarity and warmth and. But they're also very real. They're not just little, you know, little people or, or you know, or it, like the some like some little, you know, anime moe character. They're they're they they have a place in this world um, that goes significantly beyond being smaller and you know, being able to hide and throw rocks very well. Um, so like I said, I think it's a. It, don't avoid them because they're they're smaller and cute, but also don't just play them for that reason. There's a lot more to it than to a hobbit, um, which I think again that that's actually something that comes up fairly frequently in in the book The Hobbit. Um, that there's a lot more to them than than you initially suspect. So yeah, you should and do if it. We're, if we're just throwing out campaign ideas, I'm just gonna say Bilbo has an uncle who went off to sea and was never heard from again. What happened there? <laughs> he very well could have just fallen out of the boat like Sam and Ken. He swim. probably did, as Sam <laughs> will remind us. Boats are quite dangerous, but 
Um, but um, A, Ben, it's a ship, not a boat. And um, B, I, I, I just I just feel like that's a I feel like it's a really interesting adventure hook. I would like to I would like to explore that. Like, did he go off somewhere? Did he settle down somewhere? Like, if you travel to some remote corner of Middle Earth, are you gonna you know meet this little wizened old man with a pipe and no weed to smoke? You know, I don't know. I I just one of these days. One of these days. Indeed. Oh, one other thing that's uh, interesting about Hobbits, um, which, again, is not something that I think immediately is, is immediately obvious to everybody, um, they're a little more like elves and dwarves in their age. Um, they, in the books, you know, Frodo doesn't really set out from the Shire until he's, for his adventure, until he's, isn't he like 50? He's older when he does that. Yeah, he's um, quite solidly middle-aged. Yeah, um, and so... Like the other the other night, I was just sort of we were talking about my character, and I realized, you know, she's yeah, fairly young for a hobbit. She's probably also still thirty or forty years old, um, <laughs> which which as as humans who age normally, that sounds sort of sort of absurd. But uh, think, as far as hobbits I think are concerned, coming of coming of age uh, for a hobbit isn't it like thirty three? Yeah, it's thirty. Yes, thirty. Yep. Because yeah. it was the th- thirty three and the. The uh, and the Bilbo's the eleventy, right? right. That's the right. shared birthday, right? Yep. That's what yep. sort of kicked off the the book, and then yep. moved on from there. But yeah, they're they're definitely between humans and dwarves and elves in age span. I mean, they don't have nearly the longevity of the dwarves and elves, but they mature at a significantly slower rate than humans do as well. Right. Exactly. So just to, yeah, keep that in mind. Even though they look like children, they're there by the time they're hitting the road, they're, they're probably not as young and sprightly as we imagine ourselves. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for this, uh, foray into the world of the hobbits uh i hope everyone left room for second or third supper and uh (laughs) enjoy your evenings and uh thank you again for listening yeah go play hobbits yeah hobbit you honestly isn't really middle earth without them so have fun doing that you have been listening to the one podcast you can contact us with your questions and comments at the one ring podcast at gmail.com Follow us on Google Plus as The One Ring Podcast or on Twitter at The One Podcast. Thank you for listening.